Welcome to The Light Within, a podcast for anyone seeking to rewrite their life, live in their light, and align with their soul's highest purpose. I'm Leslie Draffin. Join me as we explore spirituality, sexuality, wellness, and the magical world around us. Hello, beautiful beings, and thank you so much for joining me for this episode of The Light Within Podcast. I'm so excited to bring you today's episode because it's with a dear friend of mine, Tara Webb. Now, I met Tara through an online group called Rose Gold Goddesses, and it just so happened that in the hundreds, maybe thousands of women in this group, Tara happens to live, I think, 20 30 miles from me. So we became pretty good friends pretty quickly. And when I started this podcast, she was one of the first folks to agree to come on and chat with me. Earlier this year, she did a tarot reading for me and a past life reading, but those are really only two of her many, many talents. Today, we're going to talk about A lot of different things, some a little bit difficult, so there is a trigger warning for anyone who has had a miscarriage or the loss of a child. Um, Tara really leads from her heart and talks about some of the really difficult things she's gone through. We talk about awakening the witch within. We talk about working through trauma, miscarriage recovery, healing the sister slash witch wound, and tapping into your intuition. And we really speak a lot about intuition. And it's something that I feel like I really stifled for much of my 20s through either my eating disorder or alcohol. And it's something that I'm really trying to learn to tap into again now as someone who is on this spiritual path, does these rituals, and really tries to listen to herself and listen to her body. And Tara is somebody who really explains intuition really well. She explains where you feel your intuition in your body. So if you are a little lost, then this episode is perfect for you. Now, Tara is a mom and she is about to have her fourth baby, another little boy, but Tara is also in the midst of birthing a book. Discerning Her Shadows is available today on Amazon, and I cannot wait to read it. She reads a little passage from it during this interview, so if you really like what it's all about, then please grab that from her on Amazon. So here's a little more about Tara. Tara works at home while homeschooling her three boys. She's a self-published author and also has a coaching business, Pandora's Labyrinth, where she works with women to discover their creative passions by helping them feel empowered to publish themselves. She thrives on connecting with other women and lifting them up. She's devoted to creating her dream life, which is to live in the woods with her family, grow her own garden, and supporting women in their pursuits without fear or doubt. She believes in magic, dragons, fairies, elves, and more, and wants to rekindle your knowledge and love of them too. So please join me in welcoming to the Light Within podcast, Tara Webb. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you for inviting me. I am so excited to just talk with you. I am too. So first things first, what ignites the Light Within for you? Mm, what ignites the light within? Um, mine would be seeing other women, other people, but specifically women, really stepping into their purpose, into their power, and me allowing, helping them, you know, really uh, 
see that in themselves, you know, where they can learn to step into that without fear or judgment. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about your work. What is the work you're doing um, and how did you find that path? So currently I do tarot readings and past life readings, past life regressions. And I do, I have a program that's called uh, Pandora's Labyrinth that work, uh, works women through publishing themselves, describing what publishing themselves means for each person and how they can step out into that confidence. Uh, I'm starting up a new program soon that teaches people how to um, channel their past lives themselves without me doing it for them. And I think that covers a lot of what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah. But I started that sometime last year. You know, I had my kind of the, the awakening moment whenever I had my miscarriage and, mm. you know, went through just kind of what's going on in the world. And then I joined um, Rose Gold Goddesses and found out about Mia Magic and took Witch School, which showed me the witch inside of myself, basically. I was able to just tap into the powers that I have um, and able to channel. So I don't even know how it really happened besides just the fact that I was talking about it with my um, twin flame really close friend. And I, w I had the ability to see past lives, but I think it was more of my awareness within myself, my intuition, um, because we all have that ability. Everyone has the ability to tap into their own past. It's just knowing and being secure in yourself. Hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about that. So you said last year you had a miscarriage, and I'm so sorry about that, but it was able to turn into something more positive. So actually two years ago I had a miscarriage, and I had another okay. miscarriage last year. Oh, man, so okay. I, um, the one two years ago was what started the whole thing. I started, you know, I was reading um, Ram Dass's book, Be Here Now, hmm. and other things had come up before that to kind of start the mental process of, you know, what's going on. But just reading his book took me down this huge rabbit hole of everything is so similar and why and, and you know, all of that. And um, so that would have been 2019 um, when I joined Rose Gold Goddesses and just felt like I could be myself. That's the biggest thing when you're starting on the spiritual path is just feeling like you're not alone, especially finding women that you can connect with. You know, we all have this witch wound where we don't want to connect or trust other women for, I would say obvious reasons, but if, if you're not a witch, it's not obvious. It's, you know, because you literally could not trust women, you know, during the witches inquisition, basically where so many were killed, we couldn't trust our sisters. And so we don't feel like we can trust them now. And, that feeling of trust helped me step into myself. And then, like I said, I, um, I watched Mia Magic's, uh, I guess it was her first video. I'd also heard her on um, that, that podcast, but just something about how Mia held herself, her confidence and um, being unapologetic, which, which wasn't something I wanted. I, I didn't like go into this being like, oh, I'm going to find, I'm going to step out of the broom closet and find my inner witch. It was just basically, you know, what she's saying is that 
you know, a witch means wise woman and it's someone that connects with the earth or, you know, you could, could be with the kitchen, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's basically what I do in my everyday life anyways. So going down that rabbit hole was what started mm, just a deeper appreciation for myself and able to understand my own intuition. I would say my second miscarriage was when I began loving myself more and accepting myself more. So the first one like had to shock me and wake me up. And the second one had to show me kind of who I am and um, my place in this world kind of, you know? Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I think what you said about the sister wound, the witch wound is just so ever present in so many women. And like you mentioned, women, maybe not even identifying as being a witch, maybe not understanding why they just have this weird distrust of other girls, you know, from a very young age. And I think our society puts that on us as well as, you know, what happened centuries back. But what have you found as far as sisterhood and how has that helped you grow? Mm, I would say sisterhood has been one of the cornerstones of my growth because it feels like I'm not alone. Uh, for a very long time, as I was in a transition, I felt very much alone, had a few friends. I definitely do think that society puts that on us unintentionally, also intentionally, you know, um, as it said, during that time, everyone was affected by the witch trials. You know, even if you were male, you know, you had a friend, you had your spouse, your children, your mother, your aunt, someone within your little circle was affected. So it affected you somehow. So it's passed down you know, through that line as well. And we are told to believe that we can't trust the person next to us. That if, the pers- if a girl dresses like this, then Jesus what? But if she is, you know, too much, too tied up and like all that kind of stuff, she's a prude and you don't want to be her friend because within, you know, I mean, there's just so many different reasons. It's like you can't, there's not a balance. There's not. There's just it, one way or the other. You're just kind of sucky. And so it's almost like wearing a badge of honor. Oh, I'm a, I'm a guy's girl. Like I, I hang out with the guys. And, you know, a, a lot of that was totally me. A lot of women have that. Like I can wear this badge of honor. But is it? Is it really a badge of honor? Mm, wow. So let's talk a little bit more about your witchy practices, uh, because you yourself mentioned, I guess in the past two years or so, you kind of had your witch awakening. Talk to me about what that was like and kind of how it transitions and translates into your everyday life. I would definitely say it was scary. I come from a Baptist background and, um, my father being a minister and that kind of stuff. I don't even know if he necessarily sees me as witchy. Um, I don't know if he's heard that term used for me. Um, I think he'd be probably very scared if he did. My mother does. Um, but my my dad does know that I do past life channelings in his way that he can understand. And that's very scary to him. So I had to... Not that I had to, you know, come right out and just fully say it immediately, because that's not the whole point. The point isn't for you just to, you know, put on a witch's hat and walk around proud and be like, this is me. That's not what we want. That's if you choose to wear the title witch and 
be proud of it, then by all means, you have the choice to do so. It's all about the choice. You know, there are some that are possibly doulas or midwives, and that is the essence of the witch. Wise woman teaching, being there for women when they're giving birth, but they may or may not feel comfortable wearing the witch title. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just finding basically what I was already doing in my everyday life, not trying to start new practices immediately, finding where I already was. So within my cooking, I already take such care with my ingredients and how I'm cooking them. And so in with being uh, a witch and, and using those practices, it's more of, you know, just cutting the onion and what that means to you and, you know, what intention you want to put, not just like chopping it roughly and getting frustrated because you're crying. Um, <laughs> like what, what intention behind that? Not that I do that every single time I cook. No, I have three boys who are starving in their minds. And, you know, I, I am usually somewhat in a hurry to get food done, but I do try to be present with the food, with, you know, the boys running around and just being thankful at the minimum, thankful um, within my practices. I would say also going through and learning about crystals and um, tarot readings. I never knew how much I loved pulling the cards. And that has definitely been one that was a bit um, like, push off from my mom of, you know, what, what, you know, even with the cards, just like, why would you pull cards? They have nothing to say. Just like, just the very simple things about them. Uh, but, and, and it's true, cards technically don't have the knowledge to give you. It's there and you get to interpret it with your own intuition the way that it needs to be. And that doesn't mean it's going to be in that exact moment either. It's just, it's on how you discern it. Mm, I totally agree because I used to be so afraid of the cards. And even two years ago when my spiritual awakening happened, I had read all that crap about, okay, you can't buy yourself a tarot deck and all this superstition about it. And fortunately, I got over that because honestly, I was the only person I knew who was into this stuff. So I bought my own deck. But yeah, it has help me tap into my intuition so much more when I'm dedicated to these practices and tapping into intuition is something that you really focus on. So first off, how do you know when it's intuition versus maybe your ego or an outside entity that's sort of putting something on you? How does that feel to you in your body to know? It feels warm. It feels comfort. Um, for anyone wanting to start tapping into their intuition, which I'm going to cover when I begin my course, one thing you can do is getting a pendulum. And that's not to say that you become reliant on the pendulum whatsoever. It's meant to, you know, you establish whatever it is, yes and no, or whatever the pull is with the pendulum. And it can really even just be a necklace. It doesn't have to be, you know, something specific. I would say a crystal would be wonderful as a necklace to use. It doesn't have to be something specific, you know, look a certain way, but it's meant to, you might have a pull towards a card and then the pendulum can, you know, kind of clarify and can almost show you that, yes, that is the card, I guess, to make you feel better. Um, But definitely it's, I say there are three ways of knowing, you know, in your head, you know, in your heart and, you know, in your womb and the head is very important, but it gets mixed up with our mind 
our conscious and subconscious fighting back and forth. And that's important because we have the third eye coming in with the divine, you know, channeling right through us. That is where the channel comes through. But you will know if it's correct, if it feels right in your heart and then even deeper into your womb. And it's also, you can even ask it, you know, if you're wondering if it's your ego, you can even say, hey, is this my ego? <laughs> and for the most part, it's, it's going to be very truthful in answer. You know, there, when um, I'm pregnant with our fourth child, and so even, you know, going back and forth on, is this a girl? Is this a boy? And not that it fully matters in our life, but I had a feeling of something, but then I had this voice being like in the background. And so that was, you know, me of, you know, okay, well, is it because I really want this? Or is it, this is what it actually is. And so there are times when your intuition may feel like second guessing because you're second guessing yourself. But if you just trust that the answer comes and you have that knowing within your womb, and I say the womb because as a woman and a man, because we all come from the womb, we all technically start with a womb, you know, that's where it grows from. Um, if you can feel that kind of like warmth and knowing it's, it's like if you're going to, you know, take a path and you're driving home one day and you're like, mm, for some reason that, that way just feels weird. Right. And you go a different way and you can't explain it. That's your intuition. That's the womb space that it's not really in your head. It's down. You feel just a gut instinct and that's what it is, but it, it's the intuition. We just call it gut because, well, that'd be too much magic to, to really play with every day, right? But yeah, it, it, I say it's the head where you hear it first. You can really feel the warmth in the heart, the love of it. But when you get to the womb is when you definitely know. And I think for some folks, it can be a little different too, as far as where you feel it first. Because I know with myself, I feel it a lot in my, like maybe my you know gut first, between gut womb, then heart, then head, because I have a problem where I will like talk myself out of stuff. But when I mm -hmm. look back at the choices that I've made or the things I felt in especially past relationships and how I wasn't listening to the intuition, but I remember specifically there being this little, like a little mm, something that just didn't sit right. Now mm -hmm. I know what that was. It was my intuition, but I had never tuned into this because like you, I'm raised by, you know, a father who was a minister, a very Christian background where you prayed about it versus thinking about how it felt within your own body. And, and now looking back, I just think, Oh, if I had known more about how to trust that, then maybe I wouldn't have made some of these decisions. So we talked about how to feel it, but how do you trust it? Is it something you have to just tap into more and more and more to first of all, feel it quickly. And second, all above all, like, know that's what it is. Yes, in a way, I do want to address what you said about, you know, as a Christian praying and you just kind of like left it up. I feel like even whenever we prayed, maybe this was just me, but I feel like as a Christian, when we did pray, we still had the, that feeling, right? Like we would pray, you know, God, please help us with whatever it was. Please watch over us, you know, whatever the thing was. And you had this just kind of feeling of you know, hey, that that that's going to come true. That's that that's truth inside of you versus, you know, maybe God, I really need this job, and uh, I, I I like this one better than this one, or I I want a certain car that maybe 
doesn't feel as much as the truth, the, the, the intuition inside of you. So even the, the prayer, I would say, is a, is a direct connection to it. But as far as going to your head and discerning if it's the voice inside of your head, because we all have a voice inside of our head, or if it's divine, it all starts with learning to trust yourself learning to believe in yourself and that doesn't necessarily start with the head it begins as you learn that you are a part of the universe and the universe is a part of you when you stop second guessing and doubting every decision you make because even if it's a quote-unquote bad decision there's always a reason for it there's always a lesson so there's not really a bad decision. You know, if you look at the two paths ahead, yes, one might be an easier path, but that doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. The other one just may mean that you need to, to learn those lessons a bit more before moving on to a different path. So it's trusting that, hey, even if that situation, looking back at it 2020 vision, wow, that really sucked. Like, horrible decision. You know, for us, trading in our cars when we were younger because of this and this and this and having the debt with that. Yeah, that was really stupid, but we learned from that. So it, it was a path we needed to take. Those kinds of things are where you learn to trust that even if I make a decision, it's going to be the right one in the long run. Then you go into your mind and you know, you could even sit with yourself for a little bit and just hear what the voice says. I mean, can you really sit in silence with your eyes open? Because it's very important because you look around and the, the mind, the, the voice inside of it will narrate your life for you of, oh, look, there's a flower on that. And I see a moon up there. Yeah, and that's kind of white. It's like, who needs a, a description? You can see that for yourself. It, it, that's part of the ego in there, feeling like it has to be constantly heard. And I think the more that you play with hearing that mind and hearing it, not necessarily listening to it, but you know, hearing what it says, you'll become distinguished with that mind versus, no, this is definitely divine. And the divine, it's, it's a flow. You feel comfortable in it. It's not that second guessing back and forth. Like when I'm channeling a past life, I may not have the words, but I have the image. I'm able to convey and I, and I have to kind of trust. Like I did one last night where it's this couple that just got together and I was like, mm, don't want to say this, but it's, it's, it's here. And I, I do feel like I need to say it. And it was like, you know, if there's an addition to the family kind of thing, if you're ever wanting to get pregnant, it's a very early relationship. And I was like, mm, don't know if you want this, but it's here. Um, but that, like, that was something that if you don't say it, it presses on you. It, it's kind of like this, this knowing. So it just starts with trusting, you know, that first step every day of what it is. And you can even begin to ask yourself small questions to trust. And this may sound really silly, but it's still a, a good way to begin. Should I wear purple or blue today? I mean, it, it's, it sounds silly, but you have that knowledge, right? Like, did you ask somebody, hey, does this look good? And they could say, yes, it looks amazing. Well, you know if it looks good. You just want confirmation. 
you know, if you're going to say, actually, it doesn't, I think my hair sucks like this. It looks so short. It looks so bad. You already know that's your intuition telling you. And it's just listening to those little things. Because if you don't listen to those little ones, it's not going to want to show up for the big ones. It's not going to want to be there to guide you when those big questions come around. Mm -hmm. I've been doing that with what I want to eat. <laughs> and someone who has... Yeah you know, 15 years of eating disorder in their past, learning to listen to that has been something that has helped me learn to listen to it in other places as well. And I wanted to talk about this book that you wrote because it's a lot about your intuition. So talk me through first, tell me about your book and, you know, why you were led to write it and kind of how all that played out. So that was a piece of in 2019, um, after I had that, first miscarriage, uh, my husband, who's in the military, went to training right after, and then he deployed. And so me with um, three boys, my youngest, our youngest, just about to turn two, I think, because it was his second deployment. Um, and he was gone for his, you know, first basically year of life, too. So second deployment. And after having gone through the first one, I was like, I need something for myself. I need to commit to myself. And that's a lot of what my course in Pandora's Labyrinth is, is committing to yourself. It doesn't matter what it is. So I had to find something where I committed to myself because um, at that time, especially I was a stay-at-home mom with three boys. I was homeschooling our oldest and did everything, I would say for them per se. I, I did do some things for myself, you know, but it was very much my, my world was them, especially with deployment because I mean, yeah, I'm going through who knows what, but they're kids that are really struggling. So I could, you know, if they're acting out, if they're hitting, if they're screaming, I had to focus on them. So I made sure to focus on myself and choose something. And that also came along with the Rose Bowl Goddesses because that was a membership that I normally wouldn't have paid for. And I was like, mm. and that was a commitment to myself plus my book. So I told myself I wanted to have my <clears throat> my first book, all the chapters summarized by the end of um, 2019, and I, I got that done. And as I was going through, um, it morphed into a four-part series, and I have all those chapters summarized as well. doesn't mean they're going to stay the exact way, but I, I definitely had that done. When my husband was able to come home early because of COVID-19 last year, I took a month because, you know, he's quarantined for uh, a good while and then they get a break when they come home because of just uh, coming back from deployment and stuff. So, he, you know, he was home, especially because everyone was home anyways at that point. He was home and for a month, I basically did my yoga, hugged my boys and then came into my room and shut the door and locked it and I just wrote. And it was, especially the first draft, was a pure channel from the divine. Uh, I would go through and look at stuff and be like, did I really write that? Did I? Because I mean, I, I veered off of my scheduled summaries and always did come back to them. They were a nice outline. But what flowed through was what needed to be said. And so within this first book, it was originally called A Journey in Understanding. Uh, which is exactly what all of us go through. But 
I decided to hire an editor and as she was going through it, uh, she was like, that sounds a bit more of a nonfiction, which was my point, but the book is now titled Discerning Her Shadows because that's kind of where we first start waking up to ourselves is when we realize our shadows, while they're dark, they're meant to be because you can't have the light without the dark. You can't have the beauty of the day without going deep and really seeing that quote unquote ugly side of yourself. You have to let them out and play with them and really see you know, who they are. So within this book, the first one, Ashlyn is waking up. That is uh, what happens within the first part of it. And she is living in a world where the king is evil. It's her uncle. And he has abused her since she started her period. Uh, abused and like beat her. Um, because he sees her as uh, his property. Her mom and dad are dead from what she knows as just being traitors. And her cousins have kind of cared for her. Uh, and that's kind of where you see her. That is where at the beginning of where she is. And she has an awakening with um, the beating that you read at the very beginning. And from there, she realizes the world is not what it seems. Nothing. It's a huge veil, which is what a lot of us see in the world now when we kind of have an awakening and that the king isn't just evil, he's sick and that there's, you know, a curse that she has to break because of that. And she basically learns to trust herself, you know, every step along her journey. And it leads her to just a bunch of, it seems like random places because she finds this one thing that she happens upon um, which is totally magic, taking her, her intuition, taking her. And then they, you know, they have to run because the king is after them. And so she goes somewhere else and, you know, she gets up there and she learns this huge story and then like, okay, you got to go do this because something else has come up. And so she has to run again and all the while to make it to the elves because it's just so full of magic. There's dragons, there's elves, there's fairies. Uh, there's even creatures that I've kind of made up, one called a narc, which is very much playing on the word narc, but also it, you know, goes inside your mind and shows you things that, it shows you your fears, things that are there, but don't, you know, when you fully address them and look at them, you're like, that's not real, but it plays on your fears. So for the entire book, she has to really feel what is this guiding me and why should I trust it? In the first chapter, she has a a beast that comes to her and like is gonna guide her. And like she has this feeling of like, mm, I should follow this beast. But most people be like, dude, it's a panther. It's gonna eat me. Like that's just ludicrous to follow a panther. And so it's just those small little steps, which is like we talked about the small little steps that begin the bigger steps of understanding of, okay, well, this actually is a path that will be a shortcut for us because now I know, now I know what my feeling of intuition is like. Mm. And I love how you said that sort of the book starts and her journey starts after this terrible thing or during this terrible thing. And it seems like you had your journey start after or during a pretty terrible thing and the whole shadow aspect as well. Um, because yeah, I think everybody has those shadows. That's kind of why the podcast is called the light within because there's light within you, although there might be darkness in there too. And there is, but 
that just sounds great. Can you read maybe a little bit from the book? Yes, yes, I can. Uh, there's one section. Oh, and I wanted to have, ask really quick too. Yes. How how old are these people in the book? How old is she? Ashlyn is um, about twenty, I okay. would say. So she um, lost her mom. I think it's around age two mm. to four, in between there. And um, yeah, she's age. 20 and really kind of coming into herself. Mm. So the, uh, the section I can read is when Ashlyn remembers, it's more towards the middle of the book, but it, this really shows a lot about our intuition. When Ashlyn remembers that it's important to trust yourself, but you can't do it all yourself. There's, mm. There's a reason that, you know, the divine, the, the universe made us because, you know, we're part of it, but, you know, it's also part of us. So, okay. Ignoring Barcenas, Ashlyn reached deeper into the sand to grab more. Sebastian and Barcenas watched as she let it sift through her fingers again. They didn't know what to say to help her, so they sat beside her, giving her support through their presence. Ashlyn became mesmerized with the flow of the sand as she repeatedly let it slide away and refill. They sat like that until the sun was almost gone. When I was younger, I would go to my secret spot in the forest to be alone. It was the only thing I could trust. Sebastian and Barcenas jumped when she spoke. They had become used to the silence. She continued on, not noticing their surprise. One day, I slipped out to that place. I sat on my rock and stared at the water. I cried and rocked myself to release my fear and sadness. My tears hit the water and made ripples. And those ripples grew larger and permeated throughout the whole stream. At that moment, I felt like I was part of something bigger. In my excitement, I reached down to grab a handful of water. And it fell right through my hands, like the sand is doing. She paused as if lost in the past. I saw myself as part of nature. The water in my tears dripped into the pond, becoming part of a larger circle. I became connected to it all. Yet when I tried to bring it to me, it dissipated. That day, I realized we have to immerse ourselves in nature to truly become part of it. My tears were a part of nature then, but I could not force nature into me. Only by releasing my control could I fully embody that ripple inside my own life. The three companions sat in the cool sand, pondering her words and their journey. Ashlyn sighed. I forgot that lesson over the years as I fought for control in any aspect of my life. Even now, I try so hard when all I should be doing is surrendering and becoming part of the energy around us. I can't make the sand part of me by grabbing it and squeezing it. But I can put my hand through it and feel its heat and life source, blending my energy with its healing energy. I can't make the elves contact us or hear us. All we can do is immerse our souls in the flow of life and be ready when they do. She sat in the warm sand as the air chilled. She sat with her eyes closed, breathing in the air and moment around them. She just sat because that was all she knew how to do. 
meditating in her shape was the only thing Ashlyn could figure would connect them to the energy of the elves. Hmm. That's beautiful. And she really just kind of is learning that she has to, to be, and she can't, you know, grab onto the universe just to be part of it. I love that. And it's funny because I might be giving some away, but once again, she tries to, you know, because that's how we all are. We all, we, we have those, those moments when we're like, well, that was silly of me to think I could control anything, but we still tried it again. Yeah, <laughs> that's our total it. ego. So it is. And I think that's exactly where we can address how you know it's your ego when you're trying to control the outcome of something. You know, if you mm-hmm. release the control and the emotion too behind it. And I like to say the phrase, uh, the higher good for all, the highest good for all. You know, whatever this answer is, whatever needs to come, as long as it's the highest good for all. Because, of course, even though, you know, even when we prayed um, when we were younger, it was still, well, God may not grant your wish because he knows better than you. And, you know, sometimes it may not, you know, seem like it, but definitely it's the right answer. That's exactly what this is. The highest good for all is, you know, you may want that certain job but you may not know how bad the environment is. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, not the highest good for you. And so while it may not seem like it, and you may have to go through, you know, barely paying your bills for so long to find another one that maybe it's, you know, a bit less than what the other one was, but has the best environment so that your spirit can heal and grow. Then yes, that's why we say the highest good for all, because that's releasing that ego. Mm, and the highest good for all still means the highest good for you. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us where can folks find your work? How can they connect with you? You can find me on Instagram at I am com, And that is uh, I A M T A R A W E B B. And that's Instagram, but I also, I guess, tagged in there with my website, which is I am Um, and then on my website, it has, you know, the different channeling options and it has where you can go over to, I use a program with Podia to have my videos where people can connect with them. And I have for anyone listening, a free grounded womb meditation that will start to get you feeling uh, where your womb is supposed to be in regards to like being with nature. You know, our, our womb doesn't need to be like airy, right? It, it needs to feel grounded to Gaia. And this meditation is free. And it will it will start teaching you how to tap into like releasing the airiness of the mind and grounding yourself in. And that's where that intuition will start to come. Mm, love that. I'm totally going to check that out. Well, Tara, thank <laughs> you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yes, I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you. So again, Discerning Her Shadows is out today on Amazon. Please pick that up and support Tara. And you can also find all of her work at I am Tara Webb, T-A-R-A-W-E-B-B on Instagram. Thanks again for listening to this episode. And if you have a chance, please remember to leave a rating, leave a review, share this podcast with your friends and family. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Leslie Draffin or at the Light Within Podcast on Instagram. You could also email us at the Light Within Podcast at gmail.com. Have yourself a great week. And remember, there's no light without darkness but there's no darkness without light. I'll see you next time.